I would like to thank my sponsors, Maggie Flores with Southern Blues Boutique and Jessica Espinoza with Jessica's Crafty Creations. They both can do some very nice work. So y'all go like and follow their page and please support small businesses. You there? Yep, I got you. All right, what's going on, man? You doing all right? Yeah, man, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I'm going to jump right into it. I want to welcome everybody to episode 29 of Levi's Youth Sports Talk. And today we got somebody born and raised in Central Florida. Now he he lives in what they call Aggieland. He played baseball at the All Saints Academy and Went to Haven, Florida, and then two years at Florida Southern College in yep. Lackland, Florida. He started the Brazos Valley Bolts Fast Pitch Association in 2017, and he just recently brought that organization to the blaze in 2022. Want to welcome everybody, Jason. Jason, man, this kind of my part of the show. I have a lot, uh, quite a bit of people on that I can't pronounce their last name so <laughs> and this this is my first time seeing this one man so if you want to you know welcome jason but you know if you can let them know your full name yeah my name is jason marizito and uh like you said i uh i run the portion of the blaze organization known as blaze zito so we shorten it up to zito uh most times and that that makes it easier for everyone okay okay well <laughs> welcome 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 jason to the show everybody yeah, man, it's uh, great to be here. I, I told you yesterday when we were chatting for a minute, I'm super envious of you. I think uh, you had uh, the wherewithal to go out and do this, and uh, the podcasting deal is is super cool, and it's uh, super hot right now, and I think uh, what better way to, to kind of get information across, and there's so much uh, to talk about in the world of youth sports, specifically in softball, but mm-hmm. yeah, man, good for you for getting out there and doing it. It's awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Um, want to start off? Want to start off with you? You want to talk about your upbringing and growing up, growing up in Florida? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, grew up bleeding orange and blue, so big time Gator fan, which makes it super weird to to live in Aggie Land. I get <laughs> odd looks all the time. Um, but yeah, grew up just um, you know uh, between Tampa and Orlando for the most part, right in the city uh, known as Lakeland, and. Um, you know, was was super into sports my entire upbringing. Uh, those of you who know me, I'm not a big guy. Uh, so I was a, a super gritty kid and, uh, you know, love baseball, love basketball, uh, love throwing the football, though, when you got that stupid helmet on me and I was running around and uh, <laughs> it was heavy and hot. I, I, I quit that one really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, just, uh, you know, quickly found out that baseball was going to be my following after, uh, after, you know, I just didn't grow a whole lot and uh, started to get exposed on the basketball court a little bit. So uh, by the age of, you know, really 13 or so, 14, that that's when baseball became kind of the focus. And uh, I think from a, an early age, I kind of knew that coaching was sort of a calling for me. Uh, I had some awesome, awesome coaches and, and mentors that kind of uh, helped me see the game from a perspective that I always thought was really cool. But um, you know, played as long as I possibly could, got as much out of myself as I possibly could, but but knew when it was time to kind of call it quits as well. And uh, yeah, fast forward to now, I think uh, everything I did 
you know, from the age, like I said, of 13 or 14 until I, I, you know, gracefully bowed out of the game at about 21. Um, everything kind of led me to this point. Okay. Okay. And, um, let's, let's go, uh, go to, um, going into, into college, man. Like, like what's, what, what was the biggest difference from going from high school to college? Man, talent. <laughs> you, <laughs> you walk onto a college campus and, you know, as a freshman, I walked on campus, I was 150 pounds soaking wet and, uh, you know, uh, just looking at the difference being a, a 18 year old kid versus a 22, 23 year old senior. A lot of those kids at that point, back in that day, you know, JUCOs were just feeders and kids were out there getting 150 to 170 at bats a year, uh, before they came over to, to, to bigger programs like ours as a junior. And you just walk on campus and you go, Whoa, wait a minute. Like every single one of these kids, uh, was all state. You know, I'm nothing special here. Every single one of these kids, you know, held that that, you know, all state title or, or whatever you want to call it. Right. They were all just uh, in stature and athleticism and experience that that was just the biggest thing to me. Like remembering back going, wait a minute, how am I going to get a singlet bat with this kid in front of me? <laughs> you know, and, and that's you know, that ends up, you know, some of us, uh, you know, fight through it and find their way. Others, it's uh you know, it's a discouraging moment, but I think uh, more than anything, it teaches you a whole lot about life. And there's somebody out there that, you know, they may be better than you. You just got to go work hard and, you know, chip your way in there and find a way to, to contribute a little bit. And at some point, uh, you know, you, you get noticed a little bit. Yeah. And so was that an influence for you by going there, you know, with the older ones? Did it did it make make you work harder? Yeah, I think for anybody, right, there uh, there becomes that point when you, you know, and, and we talk to our, you know, our girls all the time about this within our program, but, you know, you step on the field as a high schooler and, you know, right now, you know how it is in the high school world, you got six, seven, maybe eight on great teams that are playing high level travel ball and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And then, you, you know, your goal and your role as a, a kid in high school, uh, you know, at least our perspective in our program is, hey, you're a leader. Um, and coming from high school, I felt like that's who I was, right? I, I caught, you know, basically my entire career. So, uh, you know, really working through some of that stuff and, and the leadership qualities, I, I stepped on campus and thought, okay, you know, uh, I had a really great junior and senior year, was was named to the All-State team in Florida, similar to like Texas. If you're an All-State player, you kind of go, hey, I can play a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then you walk on and you realize that, hey, you got a long way to go still. And, you know, I never I never made the career for myself. I think that looking back, I, I probably wanted. Uh, but I do know that I got as much out of my talent level as I possibly could. So when it was time to be done and I, I realized it, that, hey, this just wasn't going to happen for me. Um, you know, and we started to look at transfers and I, I went up to the place in New York called Nyack University. I went up and you know, got offered some money to go up there and play. But when I really started looking at it, I said, okay, you know, what does it do for me? You know, what's my next step in life? And, you know, as a, a 20, 21 year old kid, you go, okay, well, I worked hard in this game my whole life. You're kind of lost. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me that, you know, it did make me work harder, but it also realized uh, or gave me the opportunity to realize really quickly that, hey, there's more out there. Um, you got everything you, you could out of this and it's time to move on. And, uh, for, you know, what a good 10 years, really after that, I, I didn't pick up a, a baseball or a softball or a bat or anything. It was, it was just kind of something that was in the past for me and I had moved forward. 
Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's just something that you had to, you know, realize that it wasn't for you. A lot of people would have just kept going and going and going and not really getting anything out of it. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I am super, uh, you know, or have a ton of admiration for guys that, you know, find a way to cut their way in this game, right? Because it's so dog eat dog and it's so hard. And uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, just that grit and that grind, um, it, it's, it takes a toll on you. And it's happening younger and younger now. Right. Like it's it's happening every single day around the country. Uh, our kids are, are jumping into that grind earlier and earlier. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, when we were playing, I mean, you know, heck, this is 20 years ago now uh, that I graduated high school almost. You know, we were kind of the first era of the travel ball movement. You know, that that was kind of when everything started to kick off. So. You know, I think for me, I had played with with some greats, right? You know, there's guys out there right now that I played with or against that are still playing, and they're coming to the the shadow of their, their careers, you know, the Andrew McCutcheons of the world and some of these guys that, you know, we grew up with and, and played with or against. Uh, their careers are starting to come to an end now. And, and for a guy like that to stick around in the major leagues and win National League MVP awards and, and still be doing it at our age is crazy to me. And it just, it goes out to, you know, show like, Hey, you know, people see the talent and they see the, you know, the ability, but what those guys have to do for their body every day and to stay in the game and just the mental grind of going in and out of slumps the entire year and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, to me, that's, that, that's the biggest thing where yep, you realize when it's over. Um, and I think everybody eventually does, you know, uh, guys that are Hall of Famers, they realize it maybe a little later than, than I did at the age of 21. But I think at some point, uh, you know, if you're super self-aware, you can kind of look at yourself and say, hey, I got everything I possibly could out of this game. Uh, and it's time to hang them up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, when you started started the um, the Brazos Valley Bolts Fast Pitch mm-hmm. Association, um was it did you start with just one team or did you have multiple teams from the start of yeah it man it was it was going? it was just kind of super organic how it came about uh my daughter really didn't show a whole lot of interest in softball until she was it was about late five early six mm-hmm. um and we just kind of started messing around with it and actually uh, I posted a, a video yesterday on, on Instagram and it's funny cause you look back and you go, Whoa, like this is where it started. But um, she started to show some interest. So we signed up for, you know, the local league, you know, around here in college station and uh, you know, college station is fastly growing and it's huge now compared to it was even when I moved here, you know, but um, there's not a whole lot of softball being played. Uh, and it's a ton now compared to what it was, but the league just left something to be desired. And, and there were great kids out there and, and, you know, I got involved in the coaching front there, but I quickly realized that, Hey, you know, uh, maybe her talent just, you know, was a little bit better and maybe, uh, the structure could be a little bit different. So we finished out the league and we kind of said, Hey, and we, we went to the the board there at BBGSA and they were great. And they helped us kind of get going and said, Hey, why don't you do this? And the league unfortunately does not have all stars, but they said, why don't you go ahead and put together a little team and kind of take them for the summer um, and, and go play a few tournaments. So we did. And 
from there, it just kind of blew up. It was immediately when I think when I stepped foot back on the dirt uh, and got the feel for just the development piece and running a practice and watching the kids have a ton of fun and things like that, it went from zero to a hundred real quick. Like it was, you know, almost overnight where I said, okay, wait a minute, you know, I've missed the game so bad. And it's something that my daughter and I share and, and can really, you know, get into together. Like, let's go spend that time. And we always talk about it, but the car rides and all that kind of stuff are the the most fun or, or what you'll look back on and remember the most. And it just kind of took off that way from the beginning. So we started with one 8U team. Um, and oh. then w- within our league, it kind of grew to another team within the 10U group. Um, and, and we kind of sat there for about a year. Um, and then looking back on it, it was just one of those things where everybody within our area kind of saw, wait a minute, those kids are doing something different. How are they developing at that pace? Uh, and we kind of said, okay, here we go. And we'll start a 12 U team. So, uh, you know, fast forward about three and a half years, four years, uh, you know, we were, we were sitting at six teams, um, one of which was highly competitive. Uh, and kind of had had built the uh, the brand for for the entire organization. It was a team that was competing at the highest level in Texas uh, as an O nine. You know, they're they're still there as an O nine group right now as Texas Blaze National O nine. But um, you know that that kind of catapulted it to where it was like, okay, now we have kids starting to come from our outs you know outside areas. So you started to get the Andersons and the Navasotas and the you know, the Caldwells of the world. Some of these more rural areas in Texas, we started mm-hmm. to draw some kids from outside. Um, and then COVID hit. And as soon as COVID hit uh, is when I kind of said, okay, um, you know, I'm, I'm done in the, the business sector. I'm done in the, you know, in, in the corporate world. Um, you know, it's time for me to go figure out how to do this. Uh, and we did. And, and, you know, fast forward about a year from there. So in 2022, uh, we sat with nine teams, eight or nine teams, depending on the time of year uh, and, and ages of kids. But we uh, we had that and we kind of said, OK, there's more to be left, you know, more to be desired here. Uh, so talked to a lot of organizations uh, and, and just kind of felt out our best option, knowing that, hey, some of these teams were super competitive. Uh, the kids were getting a little bit older. Uh, we have a 25, 26 national team and you know, every one of those kids on that team, if they want to, can can play college software, softball somewhere. So we just felt the need at that point that, you know, we needed to make a move organizationally to get our kids in the best positions for, you know, exposure and, you know, the, the infrastructure and resources and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And so that's that's why you went to, to Blaze for? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. The, those conversations, you know, we talked to a lot of organizations. JB is, uh, if, if any of you guys know, I know you have a, a pretty good base out in San Antonio, that Austin area in San Antonio. JB Slimp is just, uh, you know, he, he was the guy that made me feel comfortable, uh, made me feel comfortable with the autonomy of it, uh, made me feel comfortable with just his vision and, and our core values aligning. And, um, you know, it was, it was probably the best move we've made within the organization, you know, to date and probably always will be. It's just it's afforded us opportunity to get kids that we probably never would have had a chance to land. Um, it's given us the opportunity to kind of go, you know, travel around with some of our teams that are, that are highly touted and, and be recognized. There's just everything that we've done there has been a good move. Um, and he's super hands-on and, 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 you know, the relationship that we've built has been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And see, that's a, that's a good thing. You know, when, 
one of the top guys is is hands on. That's something yeah, sure. that, you, that you really want. Yeah, um, for sure. And so, um, what what was the biggest difference for you, like in baseball wise, from like that you could have done to make you a better college baseball player from like yeah. from high school to college? Man, I think um, this is the hardest conversation, right? But genetics are real. Um, intangibles are real. You know, I, I put five, eight on my, on my program, five, eight, you know, how programs go. That's always an inch higher than what you really are. Yeah. Uh, you know, so walking on campus at five, seven, one fifty. I mean, uh, <laughs> bigger, stronger, faster kids everywhere. Uh, like I said, I don't, I don't know necessarily, um, you know, from a, a work ethic and baseball standpoint, uh, that that's kind of what I prided myself on. I was just a grinder. I loved the process, but I will say that, um, you know, the one thing that I look back on being super transparent and, uh, really have conversations, you know, with our kids that are getting to that level right now, the world just becomes so different when you get to college, you're finally away from your parents. You're finally, you know, you have the freedom to do what you want to do. Uh, there were way too many mornings that that alarm rang at eight o'clock and I had been out way too late. And I just said, Nope, class isn't for me this morning. Um, <laughs> and not to say that I didn't find a way to get the grade. Right. Because mm -hmm. I think we always do, but it just sets the tone for your day. It sets the tone for how you're going to, you know, how you're going to prepare for the day, how you're going to show up to practice you know, all that kind of stuff, the nutrition, you know, just being scheduled and being intentional with everything that we do, uh, I think is super important. And we, we really try to instill that in our kids early, um, you know, from whether it's the way we warm up before games, whether it's the way we, we take care of our bodies throughout the week and the week that we're, you know, that we're trying to prepare for. But yeah, I think uh, looking back on it, you know, I, I think I got as much out of my talent as I possibly could have for just my my size and my stature and the genetic piece that, you know, that I was given. But, um, you know, I think the other side of that too is uh, when you look back, I think we can always look and say, Hey, there was probably some more focus I could have had here on the small details that would have led to more success. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm grateful for that now. I'm grateful for everything that happened within that experience because uh, you know, one of those do as I say, not as I did type situations. And I really try to, you know, instill that in my daughter and, and, and really try to, you know, give that to all of our kids. Uh -huh. Right, right. Um, I want to rewind back. You was talking yeah. about, you said something about, you know, all the little small towns around there. You know, mm -hmm. you know me, I I lived in College Station for yep. a couple of years back in, I think it was 2012, 2013. So I know, you know, of all the small towns, I actually went to school and graduated from uh, Burnham. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, and you know, those little towns, they don't get much exposure, right, to softball other than just league play. So you said, you, you know, you got girls from there. Did you, you know, did you go to like the league games or was it tournaments? Like how, how did you find these girls to, you know, to, to build the talent that you have? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. Uh, first off, Brenham, we, I mean, really that's, Golly, we played more tournaments in Brenham the first two years of our existence than anywhere else, you know, just because that was the level of softball we were at. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we had great times out there and, and, and had some kids from that way, too. I think um, and this still holds true no matter how big or how small you get. Right. You put a product on the field. 
you put a product together that you're super proud of. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think anybody that does this, you know, that, that you've talked to will probably agree with this. Uh, I hate the word recruiting in travel ball, but it is a real reality. It, it mm -hmm. is that. And that's what we're doing at this point. We're recruiting. Wow. Um, but I think that when you when you focus on the product and you focus on what you're really trying to accomplish, I think parents and kids do more recruiting depending on the age. You know, it, it really becomes like any business, right? You get to put out a product that's super successful or, or super, um, you know, enticing to people. They want to see what's going on. And I think when, you know, in our day of social media, when parents are raving on, so, on social or when parents are super excited and going to work and talking about, you know, their experience at the ball field that weekend or when parents are out there at the fields talking to friends that they know playing from other teams, all that stuff just kind of happened organically. Uh, I can proudly say I don't think I've ever – uh, gone to a league ball game to recruit a kid into our program. Um, it, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's something that I would, I would probably ever go down the path of, but um, you know, I think it, it's also super rewarding when, you know, uh, you know, as soon as that league ball season's over, you're getting 15 to 20 calls every year without fail because they have seen what you're doing and they feel like their kids ready to take that next step. So Really, um, like you said, the small towns around, that, that's what was happening, right? Whether it was Brenham or Caldwell or Navasota or, you know, wherever, right? Um, yeah. That's just, that's just kind of how it organically happened. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, speak about, you know, your overseas, your overseas eight teams and the Blaze mm -hmm. organization. Mm -hmm. how, how is that? <laughs> and, then, cause, and then you're a head coach of the Blaze National 2010 team too, so – you know, how, how do you divide the time between all the teams? Yeah, so um, really my, you know, my focus this year um, and really has been, I still run our 09 team um, and then our 2010 team as well, um, you know, along with Coach Kaylee and Coach BJ when, uh, when I'm not there. Obviously, um, you know, my daughter plays on the 10 team. Um, so that's one of those that, you know, uh, if I'm not at the field with our 09 group, that's where I'm at. Um, it's a super important, you know, time period in those young ladies lives on our 09 group and, uh, being first year 14 and the game becoming real, right. It, it becomes real and they're super competitive and they're, they're out there playing the toughest schedule, you know, that we can possibly put together. So, uh, right now that's kind of my, my focus and time and energy. And then the 2010 team, obviously with my daughter being there and, man, you know, probably the most talented team that I'll ever assemble just from a talent perspective is that 2010 team. It's, it's kind of outrageous. Um, but, you know, what I do think, you know, about, like you said, is those teams are great. You know, we have three, what we would consider national level teams. So we have, you know, our, our 2010 national, our 09 national, and then our 25, 26 national team, which will get ready to kick back off here uh, shortly after high school season, those teams are awesome. Like we have so much fun competing and really taking it to the highest level, but man, we've got, you know, our other groups, whether it be, you know, uh, a, a really high level open class 14 U team that, you know, uh, with today's verbiage of the, the quote unquote national teams that they're a national team, they're traveling this summer. Like that's what they do. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you know, 12 U open class t uh, team that, man, they've started from, absolutely the ground level uh and coach kai has done an amazing job with them and just has built them into a 
you know, a contender everywhere you look across the state, you know, on a weekend, if, if you see Blade Zito 12, you're like, okay, that's, that's a hard out, you know, they're going to come give mm-hmm. us a game. So I think, you know, our 10 U group, same thing started from a bunch of, you know, younger, you know, Hey, just trying to feel this game out and want something more than league ball right? into a team where you look up at three o'clock on Sunday afternoon and you can pretty much bet that they're still going to be in the park. So mm-hmm. I think, that's where, you know, a lot of my pride comes from. It's not just the, you know, the big clubs. Obviously, we're super proud of them and, you know, uh, have to give them a ton of time and energy. But it's just the overseen and, um, you know, the pride that you have in those teams that have, have started from somewhere and are continuing to get better. Uh, so whether that be, like I said, a, a team that started in the C-class group, like some of those and have moved up, or whether that's our big-time national clubs, um, I think, you know, my week is really, it's revolved around talking to, to coaches and really talking to parents. I think like any business, you know, because that's what we're in. We're in the softball business. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the, if the quote unquote, you know, CEO isn't willing to get out there and, and have conversations with their customers. Um, I think that's when you lose sight of the real issues and, and what can be done to get better. So I, I take a lot of pride in, in knowing that every one of our parents, uh, for the most part, I think has our phone number, whether that's on our, you know, oldest national team or our youngest, just, you know, normal, uh, you know, or C-class team, they have my phone number and I am open to, to conversation anytime. And, um, I live on the phone, but, um, you know, I don't think I'd have it any other way. And I think that's what really helps me kind of stay grounded and, and oversee the the day-to-day in all those groups. No, yeah, that's the same. We, I, I, I'm not a head coach of any team, but I'm always on the phone with somebody. Oh, I bet. <laughs> you know, so, but it's because, like, and I try to, you know, explain to people how you, once you join softball, man, you, you, it's, it's your life-changing thing when this is all you you have time for once you get into the softball world. hundred percent, hundred percent. There is, you know, and people always say, don't you get tired of it? And I'll have an hour or so where I'm like, Oh my gosh, put down the phone. I'm done. But after that, it's like, all right, who do I have to call? It's just one of those deals where, you know, it's, it's corny. It's one of the lines that we always hear, but if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, I truly feel that, uh, you know, my, my day starts with my daughter eight o'clock every morning, uh, and it's softball related and that's what we do. And, uh, and by, you know, four o'clock, I'm giving a lesson to a kid trying to get better. And by six o'clock, we're running a practice somewhere like those types of things. You know, if I went to, to work nine to five, I'd still be doing those things after work. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where I feel super lucky and, uh, I've had a lot of great people that have helped me, you know, get to this point, and I'm just super grateful for them. Oh, yeah. Same with me. Same with me with the podcast. I have a lot of people that they just – they look out for me, you know, every chance they can get. Anything they have in, any idea, they'll call me or uh, text or, you know, so you got to – That's what it I, takes, right? Yeah. It takes a village. That's what it takes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it none of us. Village. You, you have know? to surround yourself with positive people. Like, I have really good people around me that's, like, really guide me, you know, in the right way. So, yeah, it's always good to have good people around. Have to. Yeah. What's the What's the biggest thing you sports need to approve on? Mm. You know, I could go down a million paths. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a parent, too. So, mm-hmm. I, I think I can speak to this one probably best. Um. I think we need to get out of our kids' way 
And I, I think that I think that the uh, the general uh, structure that we put together at such a young age of the competitiveness, um, and, and I'm again one of the biggest proponents, so I'm I'm at fault of this myself. Uh, but I think that we have structured this game to be so competitive um, and so kind of cutthroat so early mm-hmm. that we tend to compare way too much. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the things that you and I talked about yesterday, it seems like at the younger and younger and younger ages, we're starting to have more and more issues and we're starting to have, you know, again, more parents that are just like full gung ho. And I am not a guy and I'm not a proponent of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in burnout. I don't think burnout is real. Um, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. I think that burnout is parents not listening to their kids. If your kid is asking you to go to the field every day and is mm-hmm. asking you to go get better every day, you're not going to burn that kid out. No, because it's something the kid won't. 100%. Now, if the kid stops asking and you start asking and the kid says no, well, then you need to have a real conversation about how that kid's feeling. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. And that, that perspective goes not just from the burnout, it goes to, you know, uh, letting coaches coach and and players play. Um, you know, and I also think that as, you know, as organizations and as teams, we're way too big on this, Hey, be a part of a team, uh, uh, scenario. I'm a true believer that what's good for the kid might not always be what's good for the team. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's times where you have to, as a parent, have that conversation instead of becoming hostile, instead of becoming, you know, uh, toxic to a, to a team environment, those types of things. I think that as parents, like I said, the number one thing we can do, get out of the kid's way and allow them to dictate their path. But B, I think it's just communication. Uh, I think for most parents who are playing uh, for a competitive travel ball team or starting out in the travel world, if you're willing to go at it and have a real conversation with the coach and ask them, you know, why they're thinking this or, you know, how they came to their decision or, or whatever the, the case may be, I think nine times out of 10, you know, and there's always that bad apple, but nine times out of 10, you're going to get a real conversation that leads to a, either a mutual understanding that things can get better or B uh, a conversation that, Hey, this might not be great for your kid. And I think the most important thing you can do is have those conversations cordially, because I can tell you, I have plenty of kids that don't play for my my organization anymore. But I very, very, very seldomly go to a park and that kid doesn't come up and, you know, say hi or doesn't come see their teammates or anything like that, because we try to take care of that early and we're not perfect. We fail at it. We fail at it every day. Every Mm -hmm. day I fail at a conversation I should have had. But it's a focus. And I just think if we, if we start to have those conversations and we realize that, Hey, what's good for the kid might not be what's best for the team. And at some point as a parent, you may have to make a, you know, cordial exit and a respectful exit and take your kid somewhere where they need to go to get better. I think that's important. But I also think that we have to hold our kids accountable. I think we have to make sure that before as parents, we start complaining and parents start to, you know, get negative we ask ourselves and make sure that we pose the question to our kids. Have you done everything that you, you know, that you possibly can to earn a spot or to get the the position or the playing time or whatever it is that you want a and B, do you really believe that you're better? 
or do you really believe that you deserve something more? And I think most times the kids have the best feel of it. And then I think it's just important for us as parents to listen to that feedback and really make the decisions that's best for them from there. Mm-hmm. But I would just say we were talking about yesterday. The, to me, um, you know, as an organization, uh, we're trying to have those conversations as uh, in real time as possible. But I think parents uh, really dictate where kids take things. And normally it's not the kids that ruin team chemistry, right? It's parents. And, uh, and, and, and trust me when I tell you, I understand it. I've been one of those. I I have made mistakes as a parent in this game. And I look back on some conversations I've had in the past when my kid wasn't necessarily playing for me. And I go, man, that was a super parent conversation. I should have definitely looked at that from the coach's perspective. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying, Hey, if I, if I'm anything, I feel like I'm pretty self-aware and I know when I've made that mistake. And I think most parents can look at it and say, yeah, you know, you know, our situation may need to change, but we need to handle it the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think if we all did that, at the end of the day, what you realize is a lot of these kids, when they get 15, you guys are going to be sitting in the stands together at a high school game anyway. So you might as well, you know, always keep it respectful, always keep it, uh, you know, uh, as, as friendly as possible and make sure that we're not ruining relationships for kids. You know, I think that's, um, that's super important because this game, like we talked about earlier with myself, it's going to end for all of them, whether they play in the Olympics or they, you know, play high school ball, but the friendships and the relationships they build can last forever. And I think that uh, as, as parents and as organizations and as, you know, people that are leaders in this game, we have to make sure that we're doing the right thing because the last thing we want to see is kids, you know, lose friendships and in close bonds because mom, dad, coach, uh, mm-hmm. org leader, whatever it is, didn't go about things the right way. Yes. Yes. And, and a lot of times, like you're speaking on, you know, when they, when they leave and, or when you have that talk, the, the crazy thing is like in the younger age groups, the parents don't even like to have the talk, right? Yeah. They just, they, they just move quick with emotions and it's like, Oh, she didn't play this game? Oh, wait, she didn't play this game. Okay, we leave it. Like, you know, and it's like, maybe you should go up to the coach and be like, hey, like, you know, I seen my kid didn't play such and such, you know, here. Like, is it something she did? Or, you know, ask just ask questions. And maybe that's when the conversation will come up. Because a lot of times it's just the kid might need a little work on certain things that the parent think it's okay, but it's not okay. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I actually went through this exact same thing. And I was the, you know, the parent that was like, hey, like, what do my kid need to work on to get on the field? You know, like, we can't, I don't want her to be just a hitter. Like, I, I know she can hit, but, you know, what can she do to get more field time? And the coach was 100% real with me. She told yeah. me, hey, she needed to do this, this, and this, and well, we go, I just, you know, let's go work on it. And it, it all worked out better. But it's just a lot of parents that like to just go, instead of starting slow in the conversation, just go straight to the top. And then the conversation yeah. never ends well. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, um, you know, uh, you know, advice on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. From a coaching perspective and having that conversation, beating around the bush and being soft does no good for anyone. You know, that, that to me is, is one thing that I'll, I'll live by. 
I understand that we, you know, myself included, we all probably think our kids a little bit better than they are. Like that's just, that's human oh, yeah. nature. I, you know, so, um, you know, I, I tend to understand parents, uh, philosophies and, and where parents are seeing things and where parents are coming from. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that, you know, I've always said is I'm never going to tell a parent, uh, anything but the truth from my perspective, mm-hmm. because I think that that only hurts the situation. And I'd rather them disagree with my, uh, my take on something, but respect me for telling the truth than uh, me sugarcoat it and then yeah. it just doesn't change, right? And there have been plenty of conversations that as a coach, I just say, hey, look, like I don't see this changing, uh, but I also understand that if the role that you have isn't what's good for your child, we'll help right. them do anything we can to find them a place. And, and you know, truthfully, I think it's been the benefit of um, of having more teams within the organization, right? We're able to place them in places sometimes. And I have some crazy talented kids. I have crazy talented kids on our 14U open team that may not play for my national group right now. These kids aren't kids that are are just there to hang out. They're college softball players. Mm -hmm. They're college softball players and they are good enough and should be on my team. The problem becomes the reps that they need at a critical age aren't going to be had as a coach. I would love to be selfish and keep pitcher number three or, you know, uh, fastest base runner slash, you know, uh, defensive replacement. I would love to keep those things on my team, mm-hmm. but that's selfish. That does nothing for the kid. So I think a lot of times from a coach's perspective, we have to get better uh, of being okay with letting kids go to situations that are really good for them and let them grow and develop. Um, from a parent's perspective, we have to be really good with not worrying about, hey, the status of a team. Far too often I see parents hold on to teams, mine, mine included, right? Hold on to teams because the status of that team. Ooh, this team is a top-level team. My kid should be on that. Well, you know what? Your kid is absolutely probably good enough to be on that team. But is being player number 10, 11, or 12 on that team yeah. as good as being player number uh, two or three on another team? Probably not. And then the question just comes down to a parent. Again, self-awareness and self-awareness with your kids. What is that kid's goal? If that kid's goal is to play college softball or to play at the highest level they possibly can, they probably need those reps. If there's social things going on where they love being with their friends and they have a great time and they're happy with that role and you know you feel like forcing them to compete to, to get a higher position or, or to play a position on a higher team is better for them, only parents know their, their kids at that level. And I think that's where we have to have the real conversation from coach to to parent of like, hey, let's not look at this in a, you know, in a glass bubble. Let's let's look at it from the big picture and what's going to be best for the kid. And then I think, like I said, it's it's on coaches not to be selfish and, and to make sure that you're doing what's right for the kid. Mm-hmm. Right, right. What's something that changed from the time you started coaching to now? Mm. Man so many more teams, um, you know, which is to me, everybody, you know, I always hear, uh, it's, you know, you know, ton of teams, you know, longer days, uh, tournaments getting watered down. Like you'll hear all that stuff. I love it. Um, I think that anytime we're growing the game, uh, it, it's good for the big picture. You know, I can tell you right now, I have a 12 year old daughter that if you ask her what she wants to do when she grows up, uh, she'll probably tell you she wants to play professional softball. Right. That doesn't mean playing somewhere where she can make $12,000 a year. Um, mm-hmm. I think that she's still, and a lot of kids are still hopeful 
um, you know, that, that something comes about here and that we have a real, uh, you know, WNBA type situation uh, in, in softball. And I think that while we can talk about, you know, participation, participation is up. Attendance at parks and college is way up. Mm-hmm. The TV ratings, you know, yeah, in most right. situations are beating college baseball. Like it's a real huge improvement over the last, you know, four years really um, that, that has, has just taken off. And I think that's, to me, that's the biggest thing, right? The community used to be small. It's huge now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that only is going to help, right? I think I'm a big proponent of major league baseball coming to the table like the NBA did. Um, I think there's ways to get it done. I think it needs to happen. I think our game is really, if you look at it, it's everything baseball is trying to be. It's fast. It's efficient. Uh, it's exciting and entertaining. Um, the game moves faster, literally and figuratively, right? The, the plays yep. are faster with 60 feet bases and you get in the park at six and you're out of there by eight fifteen. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's what major league baseball is doing right now. They're, they're trying to shorten games and they're trying to make it more entertaining with, you know, more stolen bases and, you know, make it more entertaining with, you know, with, with some sort of pitch clock to, to go yeah. quicker. So people aren't waiting, you know, 10 seconds in between. Um, so my point has always been like, if that's what baseball wants to be, you've got the game right there in front of you with amazing athletes playing it. Uh, we need to, we need to go to bat and figure that out. And I do think it will happen. I think uh, COVID really hampered, um, with the Olympics getting, getting postponed because, you know, major league baseball had come to the plate and was sponsoring that Olympic run uh, for both baseball and softball. So I think that was a really good step in the right direction. And then, you know, I, I think eventually, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I just quite honestly hope it happens uh, soon enough. Cause there's a ton uh, of super, super amazing world-class athletes uh, from the ages of, you know, 15 to 18 right now. And heck, even if you look across, you know, college softball, even, uh, you know, amazing athletes that the world should see on display because it's it's a pretty incredible game. And this is coming from a guy that, you know, <laughs> said my kid would never play this game. Like, I don't understand it. Why would you do it? Like, I'll be the first to tell you, I was not a proponent of this game, uh, you know, when I was 17 and 18-year-old Jason. It's like, uh, get out of here. Uh, looking back on it, I mean, it's, to me, it's the greatest game in the world. And, uh, you know, I think everybody deserves to see that. And I hope we can we can figure out a way. Yeah, and when you said that, I started laughing because that's the I was the I said those exact words. My kid is never playing mm-hmm. softball, and I think probably like a week later, she told me she wanted to play. Softball. <laughs> she to play softball. And and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not coaching. No, that's one thing I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not gonna be out there. <clears throat> Well, I was out there coaching too. <laughs> so is <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like me, I played basketball. I yep. in school I never played any sports. No other sports. Basketball, you know, I'd like I need to be inside the gym in the AC. That was yeah, was my thing. Being outside, no. I didn't even like going to many football games. You know what I mean? Like y'all yeah. y'all outside just running around jumping on each other, man. Like <laughs> stop doing that, right? But you know, it's now I look at it and it's like, it's actually it, it's it's interesting. You know, my my son he liked it a little bit, but he more going towards the basketball way. But you know, football like I like to watch it now. At first, I didn't even like to to watch it. That's mm-hmm. how much I didn't like it. You know, but now in the softball, like it's just 
yeah, like that's just that's it now. If it ain't is I watch NBA or softball, that's it. Yep. Yeah, and it's I get it, man. I uh, you know basketball was my love. If I was six two, I always joke with the girls all the time. If I was six two. Uh, I'd have played in the NBA and they all just go, oh, coach Jason, you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a little crazy, but yeah, that was, that was my love. A uh, huge Kobe guy. My daughter's name is Gianna. Um, I named okay. her after Kobe's firstborn. Right. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I think from a basketball perspective, I totally understand. And, um, you know, again, I think, I think what we're talking about goes across the, across the board into all the sports. Um you know, it's competitive everywhere now. It's not just softball. Baseball is crazy competitive. AAU basketball is on a whole nother level these right. days. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where we're, we're asking our kids um, to be, you know, student athletes from the age of, of 10. And I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, I think that, you know, it, you know, you'll hear all the time, oh, that's just too much. And, you know, my experience, my daughter homeschools uh, because she needs to be in the gym every morning at eight o'clock and she needs to be hitting at, you know, three o'clock and she needs to be doing defensive work at four and before I start my day. And I think the one thing that, that you know, I really looked at when we made that decision was she's exhausted. You know, she goes to school at seven and she comes home and then she's done. Uh, and, and by the time she goes to speed and agility and hits, it's nine o'clock, she's getting home and the next day she's starting it all over again. All over, yeah. I'm super lucky, like I said, to be able to do this full time. So, so I understand the advantage and I understand that's not a uh, real world, world for most parents. But I also know that, you know, from a perspective of, you know, what we're asking our kids to do, most parents are, are, are driving around to lessons at night. You know, most parents are driving to pitching lessons or taking them to speed or taking them to footwork class or doing all these things. So, you know, no matter if you're, you know, you're doing it during the day or doing it at night, most of these kids are doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it is exhausting. So it's super important that we, you know, we talk about the stuff that no one talks about ever. Are we talking about diet and nutrition? Are we talking about arm care? Are we talking about all those things? And I think when we look at it, you know, like I said, it does, it's basketball, it's football, it's everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, are we making sure that our kids are, are there? And then I think the other side to it, man, and uh, we lose track of it a lot, but the mental health side of it, you know, our kids that, that play this game at a high level are not normal kids. They're not going to every birthday party. They're not, they're missing out on super important school functions. And I think it's important to let them know like, Hey, when, when it gets too much and, and there's something that you're missing that you feel like, Hey, this is just not worth missing. Then we need to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's on us and I'm the worst at it the worst at it. I've gotten better <laughs> over time, but I am the worst uh, from an organizational perspective of, of sitting there and saying, Hey, like, you know, if you need to go do this, it's okay to miss. Um, but I think the, the more that I see and the more uh, that you see and you, you hear, like, it, it's super important to take a step back sometime and say, Hey, what do we need to do? Uh, I'm a huge proponent of work. Um, I think it, it shapes everything that our kids get in softball, but also what they're going to get in life. But I think that um, parents, myself included, and probably especially me at some point, we need to step back and say, hey, are we balancing things the way we should? Uh, and are we making time for other things that are also going to be important down the road? And I think uh, I think we can all do a little bit better at that. Okay. And you spoke on 
uh, nutrition. Uh, and how big is it, you know, starting from, you know, as a kid, I mean, and especially once you get to high school and college to, to keep up with your body and then think about the grades. Yeah. So first off, the grades piece is, That's it's just okay. imperative, right? Yeah. It's imperative. It's, it's a non-negotiable, mm-hmm. um, and it really, to me, doesn't come down to what the kid is intellectually or book smart or all that kind of stuff. It just comes down, like I said earlier, the habits that I wish I would have been better at, um, the habits that we teach kids, right? Like, hey, this is important. If you want to play this game at the highest level, you have to have that. Coach, your GPA isn't, uh, you know, a, a 3-3 three, three or above. It makes it really, really hard for most coaches to even have a conversation with you. Uh, our game is not a roster game, you know, meaning that, hey – we do have split scholarships and only a certain amount of scholarships within the softball world. So guess what? Academic money, you're going to have to find a way for that coach to be able to give you some in order to play at the highest level. Um, Hopefully that changes soon. There's a lot of talk in the NCAA about, Hey, softball getting full rostered scholarships and, and, you know, hopefully that becomes, but right now that's just not the reality. Um, So, you know, we have to make sure that our athletes grades are up and, and getting to a point to where really, Never set a number on it, but hey, the best of your ability, that kid's grades are there. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, – it, it's just a non-negotiable. Like I said, it just has to happen. Um, and I think the great news is there are a lot of students out there that just don't like school. They just don't. <laughs> and, and that's just – that's okay. There are plenty of kids that are not going to like school. But I think that one thing that we can do a really good job of is using what they do like and love, which in this case for most of them is softball – using that motivation for them to understand how important it is that, Hey, you know, every time you look at that book and you go, I really don't want to read this right now. Cause I have zero interest in it. Yeah, I get it, kid. I don't have any interest in it either. But if you don't do that, you know, you're making it really hard to meet your goals. And I think that the more we have that conversation, uh, the more that sure you might not make that kid love school, but you may really make sure that kid understands how important it is. Um, and the more we do that, the better. Um, on the nutrition front, man, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of just, you know, kids becoming better athletes. And, and I think that, you know, from a new nutrition standpoint, that's just kind of the baseline. Um, it's how we fuel our body. Um, again, something, Hey, do as I say, not as I do. It's something I've gotten a lot better over, uh, over the last, you know, year or so, and have really started taking care of myself. But, um, you know, I think that, we talk to our kids about this all the time. We're asking these kids to literally go pull 18 hour days at the park on Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And if you, if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, (laughs) I had a buddy in town a few weeks back and, you know, they were at the park and with, with one of our families, he's like, wait a minute, you guys got here at six 45 this morning and it's eight o'clock and you guys are about to start a game. Mm -hmm. Yep. Welcome to our lives. Right. So it's a little (laughs) crazy. But if we're allowing our kids to just throw junk in their body, and I'm not saying don't let your kids be kids, right, and have the, the sugar here, have the ice cream there, whatever. But for the most part, A, if we're not talking about hydration and making sure that they're starting that Wednesday of, of the week and, and make sure that they're super hydrated, but then also the fuel that we put in our body, you know, two things. A, it's a health perspective, and it's it's a habit that if you build young is going to make them – you know, so much better in their adult life and save them so much trauma and and headache and illness and all that kind of stuff. But B, if we do it now, you know, when they get 
to the field on Saturday morning, they don't feel sluggish. They don't feel run down. They're hydrated. And then by five o'clock that afternoon, you know, they're, they're in better shape or in better, you know, physical condition than they would have been if they just kind of had not taken care of their body all week. Um, and, and then I think the next thing is I think we spend a ton of time, energy and money on hitting lessons and, you know, catching lessons and pitching lessons. You know, I'm a big proponent and I make a part of my livelihood off of hitting with hitters, but you know, I would give some of that resource and I would put it over into the speed and the agility side of it, because I will tell you right now, uh, you know, athleticism and being able to move and being able to play multiple positions and doing all that kind of stuff is so important in our game that that's a resource that I think we overlook a ton. Um, and, and I think that all that kind of just goes together, right? The, 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 you know, we call it our workouts, but you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the weight room at, at such a young age, but that ability to learn their body and do plyometric type exercise and fuel their body the right way and hydrate the right way. I think all of that kind of stuff, uh, if, if kids want to be world-class athletes uh, and, and parents want their kid to be world-class at what they do, well, then you got to treat your body the same way. Um, and it's a struggle. I get it, you know, and, and, and it's a hard thing. We're, we're also people that are on the run all the time. So it's a heck of a lot easier to run through Chick-fil-A than it is to, to prep meals to take, you know, or eat breakfast at the house before you leave or whatever the case yeah. may be. But I think it's super important to, to be intentional about it and really focus on it. Okay. Okay. I got, I, I want to put you through a situation right quick. Got it. So I'm, I'm a kid that's coming to play for your team. Mm -hmm. Right. And the parent comes and they tell you, you, you know, Hey, okay. What, what positions? And they tell you second base mm -hmm. and you like, okay. Um, secondary position there. That's it. Just second base. What what is your take on that and how do you go like approach the parent and, and explain to them like they're going to be playing other positions? Yeah. So I think the first question, right, and I ask this question all the time is, you know, hey, that's super interesting you say that. But why? Why? Mm -hmm. Like what what's the reasoning behind her just playing second base or what's the reasoning behind her just being behind the plate or what 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 has she shown you that you don't you know, don't feel like she can do something else? Uh, I think that's the the first thing. Um, and, and normally you can get to the bottom of that answer, right? That kid plays second base, but if, if arm strength isn't the, the issue, then, hey, maybe we can play some third base. Maybe we can, you know, if arm, you know, whatever, right? There's, there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of different things we can look at. The next thing is, and I tell all of our kids this, take fly balls. There are three outfield spots, and if you can <laughs> swing the stick, yep. if I, when I walked on campus as a freshman – I got my, you know, literally the first, you know, just normal outfield, you know, 12 and a half inch glove that, or 13 inch glove that I had played with in however long. And I'm looking at this thing going, I am lost and literally taking the worst routes and doing all this kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, but I, but I hit 385 in the fall and I'm going, I'm really swinging it. Well, yeah, guess what? You're not going to start behind the plate, you know, with this junior that's up there that's hit, you know. 20 bombs last year and ends up getting drafted in the seventh round by the Rockies. Like you're not beating that kid out. So yeah, if you can swing it, you should be able to take fly balls. And it, it, you know, for most of us as coaches, we have, you know, two legitimate outfielders that can really run it down in the outfield. We're always looking for a kid that, Hey, maybe they're not defensive first, but they're, you know, they're, they're serviceable out there. And if you can just run down fly balls and learn that position of any outfield position. I'm not saying everybody has to be a speedy center fielder that can go gap to gap, 
but the ability to play the ball on the ground properly to get, you know, 10 feet to your left, 10 feet to your right and be able to run down fly balls. It goes a long way. Uh, you know, the old adage, if you, if you hit, you don't sit. And for the most part, it, it's probably true, but there's a lot of kids out there that find themselves, you know, my kid included, right. Hey, catching one game and sitting down and just hitting the next. Um, I think for catchers, it's a little bit different uh, because I believe in saving their knees and legs as much as possible. Um you know, but yeah, you're going to see those kids where they should absolutely be able to take fly balls. Um, if you're an infielder, you should be able to run out there and run it down in the outfield because there's three of those spots and we're always looking for, you know, for, for sticks in the lineup. Um, I think another thing that's changed in our game for the better, which is awesome. There is a very, very big switch in how outfield play is looked at. When I first started this, you would have thought, oh, well, the outfielders are the kids. That... No, no, no. You know, a lot of times our best athletes are out there at this oh, point. Yeah. Um, and that's an age thing. It happens as you get older. But, you know, I would just say that, you know, the question to a parent of why, hey, why, why have you just done that? Or why do you believe she's only, uh, you know, in a position where you feel good about her playing this one position, but then be, okay, you know, here's what I challenge you to do. Take the next five months or six months or whatever it is and become an outfielder too. Uh, because most of our kids can can go out there and if they just spend the time doing it, they can learn those positions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's super important. And that doesn't mean that kid won't play a bunch of second base, but it just means that if they're swinging the stick, uh, you know, guess what? When I when I have another second baseman that's really swinging it as well, we're, we're going to have to figure out something for the other one of you. Uh, and I think it's important to make sure that we're always talking about that. But then, you know, too, making sure you're checking in with the parents too. Yeah, I think it's important. How's that? How's that going? Can I help? What more can we do? Like that's our that's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, speak on small ball and speak on like a situation where you would lay a bunt down. Mm. I mean, uh, you're talking not, to the not you're all talking your to the information now. Not all you. No, I heck, I like I said, grow the game, right? I, I love it. <laughs> um, Man, I would say uh, I am more fond of small ball today than I probably was two or three years ago, um, situationally. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm a big proponent, depending where you're at in the lineup. I love baseball's philosophy and just looking at metrics and numbers and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the three-run home run. I love the two-run bomb and all that kind of stuff. But I will say – there is nothing more uh, beneficial for a team of getting the momentum of taking the lead. Um, so if you watch our teams play, we, we preach that. We want to take the lead early. We've always kind of prided ourselves on every group of, of building it around pitching and defense. Uh, that's probably the old school baseball mentality in me. Um, but pitching and defense is important. So as a pitcher, if you go out and throw a, a shutdown top of the first and you're the home team and you walk back out in the field, on the top of the second inning and you're up one to nothing, I think you just feel better. Um, it takes the pressure off, uh, allows you to make a mistake here and there and not worry about, uh Oh, we're in a tight ball game. Like, Hey, I have a little room to play with. So for me, uh, runner on third base, less than two outs, depending on the age, as they get older, they defend this a little bit better, but you know, depending on what we have runner wise at third base, we're going to press the issue and, and, and we want to take that lead. So if we've got less than two outs and a runner at third base or something, we're laying it down. 
um, we're, we're going to try to force you to make a play and get an out at first uh, and then get us at the plate and we teach it and we work on it a ton. Um, the other side to that is, hey, if you want to make that defensive play where you want to load the bases or you want to pump fake or you want to do something like that, now we're just creating more traffic on the path. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think early in game, super, super imperative to take the lead. I think the next piece of it is, you know, the sack bunt and all that kind of stuff. I think as a coach, you have to have a really good feel for your team and how things are going right now. Uh, if we've got a runner at, at second base uh, with no outs and the two hole hitter is, you know, 10 for our last 16 and seeing it big, we may let that, you know, we may try to swing and, 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 and try to get, you know, a crooked number on the board early. But if you know that runs are been at a premium for your club lately, like that's something we ask all of our kids to be able to do. And again, we want to take that lead and we want to take the pressure off and hope that scoring the run will, you know, will get us kind of on our way. So again, I think it's uh, I think it's situational. I think the small ball aspect from the slapping game has changed a ton. Um, if you look at the college world series last year, I mean, what Skyler was the only probably slapper in the whole thing mm-hmm. that was just a pure slapper at Florida. And uh, that's changed a ton with the rule changes and the box rule changes and all that. But I think that what our slappers are doing a great job of right now is becoming triple threats and be able, you know, teaching them how to hit left-handed before we learn how to slap left-handed. Um, because I think that with the change of our athletes defensively, um, with the, um, the, the speed of the game and how quick our defensive athletes are, and then also the rule change, you know, your advantage has become less. So I think, we as coaches do a poor job of coaching for the eight and 10 U level. Uh, Hey, we'll make you a slapper because we think we can win ball games uh, at 10 U because that defense isn't as good and and whatever. Uh, We'll get you on base that way. Well, guess what? Uh, No college coach is walking up to you asking what your record in 10 U was or even 12 U or most times even 14 U or 16 U. Right. So, we have to do the right thing by the kid and teach them the development early. And I think what you're seeing now, the left-handed game is changing a little bit to where that kid needs to be able to go gap to gap. And then when the infield comes in, they need to be able to, to hit the ball over someone's head. When they're playing back, they need to be able to drag it with them down the first baseline. You know, when people go into shifts or slap defenses, they need to be able to read that and pop it over a third baseman's head. Like that game has changed a ton. So I think when I talk about small ball and the first thing that comes to my mind is – how do we make sure that we're, we're really teaching our left-handed kids to become triple threats? Um, you know, those that, that play the slapping game and then be on the other side uh, as a coach, you know, just kind of knowing the feel of your team and in the moment, but for the most part, taking the lead early is always something we put a huge emphasis on. Mm-hmm. What What's one thing that differs um, from your coaching style, even to like your assistant coach? Hmm. that's a good question you know i think communication i I feel like is probably my biggest strength and it always has been i think back in my day i'd probably bs you a little bit more with my communication (laughs) now i think i've become a little bit more straightforward and, and and comfortable in that um but i think that you know i'll give you an example i won't i won't give names we had a situation on our 2010 team um, that happened Sunday afternoon. And we had a kid that just didn't bust it out of the box. Uh, we're down in a game, frustrated. Team's not used to losing a whole lot. Probably a little, you know, complacent in the game, but we're playing a great softball team that 
we obviously respect and they've beaten us plenty before. So we know they can. Uh, and, and if we don't play well, they will. And the kid just didn't bust it out of the box. Uh, hit a ground ball back to the pitcher, took a few steps and kind of veered off. Mm. And in that moment, she got about as much of a chewing as I'll give as a coach. Um, but Monday morning, she also got that personal text message that says, hey, you know, you're a leader here. Um, and we expect you to do that. And we expect your actions to to really result in not something that brings the team's energy down, but, you know, catapults it to the next level. And I didn't jump you because I don't think you're a great player, as a matter of fact. And I even told her this. She's one of my top five favorite kids I've ever coached in my entire career. Um, and I told her, I love you. I know that that moment will be good for us and we'll move forward from it. And I think that, you know, no matter what, when you do this and parents don't give coaches enough credit for this, we really love these kids. Mm -hmm. Like my daughter will be the first to tell you that I think of every single one of those kids as my own kids. Um, and there are days where they make me want to go crazy. And there's days where I want to just, you know, tell them to go home and not come back or whatever. Right. We all have those, those situations, <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, it just like parents, there's plenty of days we want to tell our own kids to just, Hey, can you go stay with grandma for the weekend? Like, I don't want to be around you right now. And <laughs> right. Like that's just how it is. And, and I think that it's important for us to recognize that, to give them the communication they need, but then for them also to understand that, Hey, like we love you. There's nothing that you did. That's going to make us love you any less. Right. But at the end of the day, we have to put, you know, the respect for the game at the highest level. You know, if, if we're not busting out ground balls and doing those types of things, you know, now we're just setting a bad precedent. So, yeah, we we will jump them. But I think that the biggest difference from, you know, from me and a lot of coaches and I know there's plenty of coaches out there that do this, but I don't think we take enough time uh, to check in on how our kids are doing. Um, and I think the more we do that, uh, the better we become, not just individual coach to player relationship, but if, uh, if that player has trust in you that on Monday morning you still love them, even if they mess up, it just gives them the freedom to fail. And I think every kid needs the permission to fail and know that, you know, that's both physically and mentally. And if they need a little, you know, chewing, they're going to get it. But they know that at the end of the day, hey, you know, that's not going to change the way he approaches me at the ball field tomorrow. Um, and, and I think that's super important. Okay, nice. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. that. I don't think I ever heard somebody say like they message, you know, a kid, you know, to let them know after that. I think that's the very first time I, I heard that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's one of those deals, right? It's all a trust. You know, mm. if the kids have trust in you, um, you know, there is a, a better, you know, a better reaction to when you do have to jump them a little bit. You got too many coaches out there that just want to lay into kids and lay into kids, uh, you know, and then it's like, but wait a minute, all they're doing at this point is going up. Here goes coach. So-and-so just jumping into me again. It doesn't mean anything if, if, if that's what you are all the time. And I think that, you know, um, there's a time and a place for getting on a kid. Um, but I also think there's, there's a huge you know, piece of our understanding there, our thought process there that has to be, you know, we're doing this to get a point across, but at the end of this, the only important thing is that they come back and still trust us. Um, because if they lose trust, it's over. There's just, you know, parents oh. can lose trust all they want. That to me, 
that doesn't make me lose sleep, right? That, that to me, that's just part of the business we're in. Parents, you know, they're going to see things differently. That's fine. But when, it, when the kid, um, you know, gets to that point, then I think that's when we have to take a look in the mirror and go, okay, what are we doing wrong? Got you. Got you. Oh, so I'm not, you know, this question right here, I'm not, what do you believe one of your weaknesses in coaching is not saying you have any because you know no, i have plenty i could go on <laughs> we could do a whole another hour from this point on that. and and was let, let's go with one of them and 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 how can you improve it like make yeah it no that's a that's a perfect question um so i think a lot of time uh and this starts from you know whether it's a 10u team that's just you know cutting their teeth or a big time national club at older ages, I think I take for granted that people and our players understand the why behind things, you know, and I, and take for granted that the little stuff, they just know. Um, and a lot of times this happens when kids come to us from other programs um, or kids, you know, have made a position change or, you know, I'm really, really bad at just expecting kids to know like, Hey, you know, pitchers you've been throwing for five years you're telling me you don't know that when the ball gets into the outfield and runners at second base that you're backing up the plate and get to no man's land and reading this play like how and i'll be the first to be like, hey get behind there where are you at what are you doing and then it's like what do you mean coach and it's like oh man i i failed that kid so i think that's that's one of the things that i do a lot is i just take for granted um and yeah, we've talked about this we've done this they know it um let's move on to what we really need to get to and i think um you know, those fundamental team defense type uh, type things can be a struggle for me of spending enough time on them, you know, running through your first and third plays, running through, you know, cuts and relays, running in positions of bunk coverages and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think I do a really poor job on it, the more talented the team is. Uh, and I think, honestly, that's where it becomes most uh, most important, because those little things are what will lose you a one run ball game when you're playing in you know, Colorado this summer, when you're at Indianapolis or you're in Tennessee, wherever we're going to be like, you know, for one of these clubs, like that, that stuff will make or break you. And I think I do a poor job sometimes of, of making sure that I'm teaching and reiterating that and just kind of being assumptive in the fact that they know. Um, and I think the, the other thing that, you know, that one's pretty self-explanatory how to fix, right? Like go to yeah. work, build your good practice plans and always keep it in the forefront. And I think we're getting better at it, but it's always a work in progress. And I think um, it's something I can get better at. The other thing that I would say, you know, a lot of times for me, um, you know, just from a, a coaching perspective uh, is probably giving autonomy to my other coaches. Um, I think when you're like me and you're, you're kind of um, you're high strung, you're thinking about it 24 seven um, feel like you do it at a fairly high level, you tend to try to do everything yourself. Um, and I think a lot of times that sends two messages. One, it sends to the team that when, you know, coach B, you know, jumps on you instead of coach A, well, it doesn't mean anything because coach Jason is the one that's running the show all the time any, anyway. Um, but also I think that that goes into the teaching moments and practice. So I think a lot of times for me, um, making sure that I'm handing over some, some responsibility to other coaches is a big deal because there are plenty of coaches that I have, whether they're on the field with me or, 
whether they are the head coach of another team and I walk in the dugout and I, you know, I kind of start taking over. Mm -hmm. um, I think I struggle with that because I just think that, Hey, like this is what I would do. Um, and I think a lot of times it, it sends a really bad message to the club uh, and it sends a really bad message to that coach that you don't have uh, belief. So a lot of times for me, it's just, Hey, making sure that our players understand that we're a coaching staff uh, and I'm not the coach. Um, and again, something that we're actively working on and I'm trying to get better at, you know, staying out of the way a little bit in some situations, but, um, for the most part, I think, yeah, those two things are, are areas where I, I tend to struggle and that I think a lot of people listen and probably, you know, yeah, you know what, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. And I think it's just <laughs> something that, yeah, it's something we just got to think about, you know, mm -hmm. and, and something that we always have to be, you know, mindful of and always thoughtful of. Right. Right. So um, what's some, some good advice you would give a high school senior going to college to play, to play sports? Yeah. First off, enjoy that senior year. Cause I can tell you, no matter what I've done in this game, uh, there will never be memories like the memories I had my senior year in high school, uh, playing in a state championship game, you know, catching the first pitch from Doc Goodwin from, you know, playing with my brother, um, as emotional and devastating as that was, um, to lose that game. Uh, I, I think that that entire ride and that entire journey and doing it with your friends, like there was nothing in my, probably in my entire career of anything having to do with athletics that was more fun. So I think we're really bad in the travel world. And I am uh, example 1A of saying, hey, you do realize that the high school ball just doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, that's terrible advice. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and it's something that I've actually, a good friend of mine uh, took a high school job here in town. Um, and he's kind of changed my perspective on it a lot. Uh, and, and one of the reasons being is just because he cares about those kids at the same level I do, and he's trying to get them to the same level. So I think that's a whole other tangent we can go down that, you know, uh, right now it's high school ball versus travel ball. Um, and it just is what it is, but we've got to, we've got to fix that. So my first advice would be like, Hey, you're never going to have more fun than you are with your friends in high school. Um, the next thing I would say is whatever we do, uh, from the time we leave high school until we step on that, you know, on that field in college, if your goal is to play uh, and get on the field, whether it be at, you know, LSU or whether it be JUCO somewhere or NAIA, um, just remember why you love the game because it's about to become a job. Um, and it is a job. They're paying you, whether it's, you know, uh, through financial, you know, benefit for your education, there is a transaction there. It is a job. It is the same as going to work. If you are not producing, they will quote unquote fire you and somebody will come in and produce. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's super important for, for kids to remember when they step on campus, why they're doing it. Because at some point during that year, you are going to get frustrated. And at some point you're going to miss home. And at some point you're going to want to be done. Um, no matter how good or how bad you're playing, something is going to come up and make you want to do that. So I think, uh, remembering that high school senior year and how much fun that was. And then remembering back to the, the reason you started the game, uh, you've got to have that in the forefront of your mind, because like I said, it's about to become a job and it's about to become serious. Um, I think kids are more prepared for that today than they ever have been because we're starting it much younger. 
to where, you know, the focus is on softball or on sports or on multi-sports or whatever it is. I do think that's one benefit. The kids are more prepared, but no matter how prepared you are, you're not going to be prepared um, for, you know, that coach, you know, if you're not producing their livelihoods on the line because they still play you. And that's, that's a super heavy burden for a, a kid of 18 or 19, whatever they are years old to, to carry. Uh, so I think just that mental health of, Hey, I love this game. I love being at practice. I love being, you know, around my teammates. I love cheering in the dugout. If those things aren't something you love, you may want to second, you know, have second thoughts about your choice because there's a good chance um, that you're going to be doing a lot of that and less playing. There's a ton of practice that maybe you do for not getting on the field. Um, and I think it's important just to remember that, Hey, you know, I love this game and ask yourself the question, do I love it enough to go sit down and cheer for my teammates? Do I love it enough to go, you know, grind and be on a bus for 12 hours? Like all that kind of stuff is going to come to uh, the forefront and you better love it or it's going to be, it's going to be a hard, you know, year or two. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. I agree. So what's some, what's some good advice you would give you like right now would give your younger self? Hmm. Um, man, honestly, I think, um, the, the number one piece of advice I would probably give myself, uh, is just not to rush it, to just fall in love with the process and, um, and love the workouts and love the time with the friends and the sleepovers and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we would work out and stay with each other for the summer, like just to, to, really look back and, and, you know, cherish those memories. Cause it's over way too fast, over way too fast. And I think that, you know, as parents, we can do a really good job of talking to our kids about that. Right. Like I, I we have conversations all the time. You're going to, you know, miss a lot of stuff in school. You're going to miss a lot of social activities, but guy that was my roommate, my freshman year still flies out to come watch my daughter play. Those relationships are cherished so much that I think, um, you know, we, we probably should do a better job of, of emphasizing those. And just for myself, I would say that I, I wish that I would have taken more time and connected with more people and been less, you know, uh, less sheltered, not sheltered, less um, introverted at times and get out there and, you know, miss a, a hitting session to go to a football game or, you know, do those types of things. And I think that, you know, we can, we can really balance those things and, and there can be a good narrative because at the end of the day, our kids all are working hard. And if we just, you know, have better time management, I think that those things that I missed um, or that, you know, uh, I didn't do enough of, you probably could have gotten more of that in if you just would have, you know, managed your time a little bit better. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's twofold. Cherish the stuff that you did do. Um, but then also looking back, I wish there was more that I that I made time for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think the thing about you said, you know, miss a hidden lesson like the thing like these days, the kid miss a hidden lesson. But then, you know, it's all about competition. Who going to post who on on their story? was that hidden lessons? Oh, see, we should have went, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's simple stuff like that, that, that ruins the softball world. Yeah. Newsflash for parents, <laughs> coaches read through that stuff. <laughs> 
it shows on the field. Newsflash. Pictures, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I've been a, I've been a, the guy before, right? Uh, I've done it before, and I look mm-hmm. back and I cringe, and I'm like, why would I post that? Yeah. Um, right? But, but newsflash, coaches know, you know, who's working. And here's another thing that no one wants to talk about. No one wants to talk about this, but it's just the truth. Talent is real. Mm-hmm. Talent is real. Yep. There are kids that get away with less work because they're more talented, uh, and and that's more at a young age. Now, when you get to a high national level or you're playing big time softball, fourteen U and above, or whatever age and above, they're all talented. Yeah, they're all talented. Now it becomes talent that works, right? So, I think that it's really important for parents to realize that, like, hey, as a coach. Our our job is to put kids in the right positions, especially as they start getting older, right? At a young age, our job is to develop kids, bottom line. Um, but as they start getting older, we're going to put kids in positions that we think is the best opportunity to win ball games. Um, you know, we, we love that you posted that your kid wasn't hitting lessons on Wednesday night, but that hitting lesson doesn't get them in the lineup. Mm. Production does. Um, so I think it's just super important for parents to figure out what that recipe is for their kids. Um, and you know what, there's some kids that it's like, Hey, you know, we're, we have a routine that we go through. Right. And they, they feel best when they feel stuff and, you know, they, they do this routine It may be 20 or 30 minutes a night. Right. You know, a bucket of front toss, a bucket off the tee, a field drill or something. And they're good. There's others where, Hey, maybe my kid does need to work two hours a day. Like it just, it's all depending on the kid and it's all depending on, you know, the, the ability to, to talk to that kid and, and understand how that kid clicks uh, and what they need to be successful. But at the end of the day, we all as coaches uh, expect our kids to be working. Um, you know, once, once you're, you're at go time and once there's, you know, you hit a certain level, like we just, that work is, it, it's, it's non-negotiable. It's just something that we expect to be done. So yeah, I, I think you're right though, man. The, the, the days of social media where it becomes, again, we talked about competition. Oh, well, my kid hit the jurors. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm a big proponent of, Hey, let's focus on each individual kid uh, and focus on our own kid and do what they need to do to get better. And that's going to, in the long run, just help everybody out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so the last question is, who would you like to hear on the podcast? But your answer, you'll have to help me get your answer on the show. Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> hmm. Let's see. Have you uh, have you had Christy Malpass from the Bombers on? No. All right. A uh, lot of respect there. Um, you know, she she does everything in this game from you know helping to organize some of the top events and you know within their organization and some of the stuff they put on to coaching some of the best uh, 14U ball the country's seen in, in quite some time. And if you look at it, her teams are always top two or three national level clubs. They compete, they win national titles every year. Um, but she has a lot of, she has a lot of really, really, really good insight into the the parent player relationship and stuff like that. She's, she's one of the best practice coaches that I've ever been around. Um, so yeah, I, I think she'd be a great, uh, a great addition to, to the podcast and I'll uh, I'll send her a text when we get off here and let her know that I had an absolute blast doing it and then she should jump on. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, of course. 
and and I'll I want you, you know, once we you get it out, and I'll I'll send a message too. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, I, I had an absolute blast. Let's do it again anytime uh, you have a topic that you want to jump into. I'm I'm more mm-hmm. than willing to take the time to do it. And, uh, and like I said, I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know we'll, we'll start to you know, get as many people involved in this as possible. Cause I think it's, it's really cool. And, and hopefully parents and players and coaches are getting something out of listening. And, you know, I think, it, uh, I think it's just a great thing. Yeah. That's the, you know, that was always my goal, you know, from the start is, you know, cause being a coach and a parent, you know, you hear a lot of why did he do this and why that, why that. So I was like, what better way for him to hear is just, you know, I know a lot of people like listening to podcasts because that's yep. all I listen to. And so I was like, I sound like I can do this. And yeah, I just started it. And no, nah, man, you're, you're doing a great job. It's going to, yeah, it's, it's going to definitely uh, help a ton of people. And I think uh, at the end of the day, whether we're coaching or we're, we're doing a podcast or whatever we're doing, if we're all with that in the forefront of our mind, we're just trying to better people. I think, uh, I think that's the end goal. All right. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the time out your day, man, being on the podcast. Yes, yes, sir. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. All right. right. Thanks. I thank my boy, Mike Estrada, for getting the logo right. So all my small business owners, if y'all need some logos, y'all hit up my boy, Mike, man. I let my boy Thomas. He's still out here getting them kids right. So y'all speed and agility. Y'all need to hit him up. He got some quality work. My boy Jeremy with the tent. Go follow his page on Facebook, GTZ Window Tent, and and hit him up. Man, y'all get them appointments in. Levi's reads some more. Let the wife get them doors looking good. You know them doors might be naked. So go ahead and let her get y'all right. Levi's Mobile Detailing, just a call away from getting them cars to looking brand new again. So y'all hit us up and we ready to get some work in, all of us.